Hello and welcome to the all new Different Game Football Analytics Podcast. I'm Paul Riley at Football Fact Man on Twitter and as usual I'm joined by Richie Shepherd at the Ginger Piglet. Hello Richie. Hello, how are you? I'm good. Are you over your technical difficulties yet? Um, I think they'll always be with me. I'm an old man, <laughs> learning new tricks. <laughs> so, the new show format is to talk about three subjects for ten minutes each. We'll be using data models and our eyes to assess what's going on, on and off the pitch at Premier League football clubs. That's right, folks. We have all the numbers, but we actually watch the games too. So, this week, Richie, our topics are what's going wrong at Southampton? Newcastle's Alan Saint-Maxima, and a bit of a pressing stats 101. So, Southampton, Richie. Yes, mate. Not doing too well, are they? What have you made of them? They don't look too bad to me, would you always? Seem to have settled on a 4-4-2 formation um, of late. I don't know if that's because they're playing the so-called weaker teams. But yeah, it seems a bit baffling why they're down there. I think their game plan's there. That's interesting, because uh, I think totally the opposite. <laughs> really? We don't normally disagree too much on the eyes these days. For okay. a start, they often seem to be playing three at the back to me. Well, the last three games they've been playing two at the back. Yeah, I don't know if that's a consequence of not getting results. So the numbers say they're okay as well. So they're 10th in the table on expected goal difference. Even better than that in the dominance table that I do. They're 6th in that. They're 6th in expected goals four only underperforming by one or two goals on that and they're 12th in expected goals against so they're a bit below average there but not massively so but they are 12 goals worse off than xg would suggest in terms of goals conceded really they are so i was looking at stuff like the pressing numbers which we'll come on to with a bit of an explainer later on but according to the numbers the press is quite high but they're not conceding up huge chances and they're pretty much average on nearly all the measures that I can look at. So that kind of points me towards the fact that maybe the keepers aren't doing too well. And they aren't on the numbers. So Angus Gunn, seven goals down on where he should be from just 55 shots on target faced. But they did get a good hammering against Leicester, didn't they? So a lot of it is down to that. And McCarthy has come in and he's been a bit better, but he's still underperforming a little bit on the uh, expected goals against and I've had a look through all the goals that they've conceded, and there are a few goalkeeping whoppers in there. Is there any f- any themes with the goals? Is there anything that constant seems to be happening? Or yeah, so uh, you say they've they've switched more to a two at the back recently, but I've I've watched all the goals back to end of August, beginning of the season, and they were playing three at the back a hell of a lot. Yeah, and it was a less lesson in why I hate three at the back. There's a lot of teams playing one man up front. So often you've got two of the three redundant, and it's just I think it's much harder concentration-wise. So you've got side centre backs stepping out, and the line goes. Not a lot of communication going on there. And when they drop deep, I think it's easier for a forward to palm them off, like get in between them to find that space because because there's three of them in quite a short space. It's a lot more difficult to say you take him. Does that make sense? Yeah. Because there's two other geezers there with you you kind of switch off and assume the guy's going to get picked up because you're all close together but they don't and it's just it's awful also the last thing i want to say as well is the three at the back thing is is the channels between the fullbacks i think with a four it's way more compact with three in there the channel between fullback and the side center back you know there's a lot of ball watching going on by center backs 
and they get caught blindsided a lot from what I've seen. So you, 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 you really need mobile uh, centre-half, centre-backs if you're playing three-five-two because the way a team will try and turn you around, you're, you're trying to get dominance in the, in the middle with a three, but your natural width obviously going to be the, the guys who are, who are playing wide. That, that, that is going to be your only real width yeah. um, as expected. But because they've got to cover the whole flank from essentially left-back to left-wing or right-back to right-wing, the way to hurt a team is to, to try and get a forward playing outside the centre-backs and tr- dragging them wider. So yeah. that, that's how you're trying to counter-attack that. And then the, you the They've got to be aware of that, though. I mean, they have to be mobile, yes, but they also have to be looking over their shoulder every two seconds to make sure that no one's stealing in on the blind side. But they just it's haven't all, been doing that. It's, it's all it's all it's all communication. It's all about communication for back. Well, to me, what I've seen that doesn't really look like it's happening. But it's quite weird that it doesn't show up in the numbers, and it kind of just shows you that yes, the models are mostly good, but sometimes it ain't going to pick up everything that's going on on the pitch. Oh, it's not. I mean. You know, you, you could have a good defender that averts danger by his communication and his positioning. It doesn't make an interception or a tackle. Mm. And, you know, you say, well, why is he not flagging up well in the stats? Well, he's a good reader of the game. He knows where to be. He knows where to organise. And, you know, his organisational skills are testament to him rather than anything that he's physically doing in and around the ball. Mm. Definitely, in, in terms of the defensive numbers, it's difficult to pick these things up. But in terms of on-ball stats for individual defenders, but I'm also talking about like XG models as well. I mean, I've literally looked at every which way that I can look at this, and it that sort of thing isn't getting picked up in the numbers. So they look okay in the numbers, but when you watch them and watch them back, they look like a bit of a disorganised mess at the back. But that isn't showing up on the numbers, and that doesn't happen very often. So it just goes to show that you do have to watch as well as just concentrate on all these numbers all the time. Their patterns of play, Richie, that I've seen, they seem to mix it up quite a lot. So one game, I think Norwich, they were going long relentlessly early. And then Watford, they were trying to build it. And then Newcastle this week, they're a bit of both. I don't get a set pattern of play. Well, I quite, I quite like that. I mean, I know people say, and, and I'm a big advocate of that, you've got to have a style of play. But there's got to be doubt in the opposition's mind in what you're doing. So with Norwich, were they trying to stretch their defence, i.e. push their, push their defence back, mm. so that they can play them between the lines, so that they're wider guys, wherever they may be. Redmond's always going to be one, by the look of it. Can he pick the ball up in between the lines? That's where they like to... I think they, they want to try to get their players on the ball, the wide guys in between the lines out wide, suddenly cutting in towards goal. Uh, and then it's going to be a through ball, is what they're looking for or equivalent of a through ball if the if the line is too high so sometimes you've got to either suck them in to allow to create a space in behind or you've got to try and force it back to create the space in between the defence and the midfield do you think they're any good at doing any of those things though because I don't um, I think they're okay um, they're not brilliant I mean you know my thoughts on the on the division this year I don't think it's a, it's a good quality and the league position suggests they're not very good at it but I, I think they're okay I mean I think that they will be all right, but you know I haven't got anything right this year. So <laughs> um, the only thing I've got right, I think, is West Ham are a bad team. <laughs> Does any players stick out for you that you like or you dislike? I'm a, I'm a big fan of Redmond. I, I I think if he was playing for a better team, you'd it'd be close to the England squad. I really do. Um, I know you you disagree with that, and you've said that to me before. I think off off air, <laughs> uh, and probably on air as well. What I just is feel it about like it, him that you like? I think he's got all the attribute. I think he takes up good positions. Um, he can go both ways in terms of beating a player. I think his passing's okay. I mean, yes, he does need to improve his decision 
making. But that, that's what I think that you've got all the raw materials there. And if he's being coached by someone in a better, sorry, not, not a better coach, but necessarily he, he was playing around better players, I think you see more about him. I could easily see him fitting into a Man City team or, or a Liverpool front three. Wow. Should we have a look at his numbers this year? I haven't even looked at individuals' numbers, but we'll have a look. I just think when I watch Southampton while we're looking at this, that they always look too stretched out from back to front. Um, they've got two hard-working forwards in Long and Ings, but they just don't seem to get the support around them quick enough. So if it, if they do go over the top or long to those two trying to get get it on the break or whatever, there's no one ever in support. I think what that may be why they've gone to four four two, um, that the wider guys can join in and make it free a lot easier. Because when I was watching the four four two, I was going to myself, it looks a bit like a four two three one almost with you know maybe one forward coming to the ball and the wide guys pushing on. Then I was going, no, it looks more like a four three three now. So they're quite fluid in terms of how they're playing it, but. There's definitely two in the middle. There's definitely two guys wide, you know, normally. But they, you know, how they that can easily turn into a two-four-four four when they've got the ball. So if they've got a position, that's what they're trying to get. Um, but they're happy for either of the wide guys to join in and make it a third striker. Um, so maybe he's conscious of that that um, they do look a bit isolated at times. In terms of, I said before, when I look at them, they do something different every game. Yes, it's good, but. At what point is that too much if they're doing something different every game and then in-game you're saying that they're changing it up as well in terms of the players knowing where they stand and what their roles are? Football, I mean, we, we, myself included, we make it overly complicated. It's quite a simple game. You know, essentially, it's 10 versus 10 on pitch. Win your individual battles. You win more than the individual battles, you probably win the game. Redmond, 66 in expected <coughs> assists, which is... Uh, he's not even registered one in open play yet. In fact, he's not even registered an assist all season in any play. Yeah. Old Nathan. That doesn't surprise me watching because when he gets the ball, I just see I just see him too isolated and the t- team too stretched out. Everything seems 100 miles an hour. Almost like you take two touches and then you move the ball on. So we're, we're going to have to agree to disagree there. I don't... I just think they're too all over the place in their style from game to game for them to get any continuity continuity going. Does that does that come through the numbers as well? No, not at all. As I say, the numbers just look vanilla all over the place. So you think they will catch up with their numbers going forward if they stick with, with the manager? Yes, I mean, I'm sure Mark Hughes is having a rice smile seeing them <laughs> hovering around the relegation battle because I think you listen to anyone in the analytics world, they seem to be uh, a Mark Hughes hater and a, a Hassan Hultel lover. But the, the net result is, position-wise, they haven't really yeah. uh, made much much difference. I, I think even under Hughes and, and managers before then, they, they was a team that seemed to be perennial underperformers yeah. on, on their numbers, which is a weird one. You know, I don't know how or why that could happen, but it, it seems to. I'm not so sure that they will catch up with their numbers. Will they go down? No, but I think they will continue to struggle until they settle and stop chopping and changing so much. So we move on yes. to Alain Saint-Maximin, as the French call him. I think that's how you pronounce it. So this guy, I'm quite pleased we're focusing on this guy because we picked him up last season when we were looking at... You did. 
Well, yeah, well, when we we have our discussions about potentials, about how well he was doing in France with Nice last year, he ended up getting his move. Last year in France, he was top in expected assists, ahead of the likes of Nicolas Pepe, he was ahead of Payet and Depay, and he was also top 50 in expected goals for shooting, which is fairly decent for a wideish player, an average team. What have you made of him? in the league this year so far I think he looks like the, the classic tricky winger he's brilliant one minute and frustrating the next um, you think he can beat six and then and then he struggles to beat one I think you, you ain't going to see the best of him playing for Newcastle yeah you've I haven't actually I haven't got <laughs> front of me. Um, he, you, you imagine him playing for a better team and you'll see better output although I think a better team would probably focus on his weaknesses rather than his strengths. You think, what, well, in terms of how they play him or his coaching? Well, I, or... I, I don't think um, a bigger team would come and buy him because they see how many times he loses the ball and it's you know it's a precious commodity, the football, from a sacrosanct that you must be able to keep the ball. You know my theory about you know players come in and um, from probably non-European backgrounds or non-Western European backgrounds and they're... they're their flair is kind of coached out of them. Yeah. That that sort of not safety first, but players start developing a safety first attitude. Almost, you know. Well, can I? Should I be trying to beat him here or not? So, try, in, in trying to get that decision making process correct in terms of when it's the right time to to beat the man and when not, that I think that's that sometimes leads to a player losing their their flair and brilliance. It's interesting you say that actually because. So basically, he's the he's the go-to player for Newcastle. So they're they're in this defensive setup, as you say. It's not really made for a player like him, but at the same time, they're completely reliant on him to do something. So I got the impression from watching a couple of games that he's encouraged to cheat a bit in the words that you use in terms of if if an opposition goes long towards his fullback on his side. He doesn't necessarily track back. He'll stay wrong side in the hope that they can switch it quickly. And I kind of yep. got the impression that Bruce was encouraging that. Yeah, I, I don't see that as a bad thing. I, I, when I'm saying about the um, what they may focus on, the, on the, the weaknesses is more a case of his, his ability sometimes to lose the ball where he'll try and beat a player in the wrong area where you see like a Mane now would know when to hold it, when to release it, when to dribble. But again, Mane's got players alongside him where, of course, if, he's, when he's playing in a better team. Sam Maximum gets it, he's on his own in about 20 acres yeah. of pitch. So yeah. I think that's always going to come out. But his you know, his output shows that. So he's, as I say, last year in France, he was top of the whole league. With... What, sort of team, what sort of team in Nice last, last um, season? Well, so they're coached by Vieira. I'd say they're fairly defensive set up, 4-4-2. And he was either playing left or right side, sometimes through the middle. But they were a more compact unit, so they would move up the pitch and back of the pitch so, more than Newcastle num- would. How do um, Alan's numbers look at this this season? Poor. So he's 90th in expected assists this year. Is he above Redmond? So I, I, I was I was obviously knew the subjects we were doing, and the player I was wanted to talk about if we were going to talk about was Redmond, but we spoke about Southampton, so <laughs> I knew you'd be a fan of St Maximan, and I wanted to try and use the uh, this stick to beat you with. Well, it's it's a good stick actually. It's a really good because 
as you said, his numbers, 90th in expected assists. Redmond, I think, was 60-odd, I said. He's 99th in expected goals. He's got no assists yet in open play. He's got one goal, I think. As I say, last year was top 50 shooter in France. But I love watching this fella play, and I would take Saint Maximin over Redmond every day of the week. Based on what he can do against two and three and four players at a time, I don't think his decision making is that bad. I think it's purely a product of there's no one in and around him. They're totally reliant on him. So unless yeah. he does something, he's going to end up giving the the ball away. It's just a matter of fact that he can't do everything by himself all the time. I think with more support and a team that was more compact than Newcastle in terms of, you know, Newcastle sit back, everything's launched. There's no possession football to speak of. And every time he gets the ball and he's in acres of space by himself and he's waiting for everyone to catch up. And the, the odd time when he does get the support, I think his, the timing of his passing is really good. He waits for the right moment to release the ball. He's really brilliant at carrying the ball and dribbling. We still talking about Redmond? No. <laughs> <laughs> I had a quick look on this, his stats bomb radar. I think he's in the top percentile for ball carrying and dribbling, yeah. which completely meets the eye. And I think he's a dribbler that keeps his head up and looks and times his passes right and does look around. There's tons of them out there who can dribble but never look up and completely waste it. So I think if he was in a team where he'd had support, I think he'd be really good to the extent he's a player. I mean, there's not many players that go, oh yeah, I'd love him at Everton. I'd love this fella at Everton. Also think he's slightly wasted playing out wide. But again, that's a focus of it. Where, where would you play him then? Well, more centrally. In the 10, I suppose. If you're playing a 4-2-3-1 or whatever, I'd play him in the 10. I just wonder where he'd, um, where he'd run, if you know what I mean. Well, I think he's good at running into an acre of pitch. I also think he's good at running at people from a stop-start as well. Yeah, I just, you know, he's got received the ball out wide. How he plays for Newcastle, he's probably getting the ball rolled in front of him. He's already facing the defence and that, and he's already on his, his way. Playing 10, he's going to be a lot back to goal, side on, yeah. receiving the ball. So it's a different skill set. So it, it is. I, I, th- I think I'd he's clever enough to do it. It may well be. I, I think you're probably showcasing his talents playing wide. Everton signed Iwobi this summer for £45 million. I like Iwobi. I think he's a really good player. But I would take this fella over him potential-wise. Yeah. And I for think... a lot less money. I can't remember how much Newcastle paid for him, but it weren't anywhere near the £45 million that we paid for Iwobi. The Newcastle is more of a four-five-one than a four-three-three, and if they could play a four-three-three, I think that would that would be the best position for some Maximan and probably uh, and we're on the other side as well. Uh, if they could play closer to Joe Linton, I think there'd be uh, you'd see far greater attacking returns for the pair of those two, and also Joe Linton. But it means seeding a defensive structure, which they're you know maximising at the moment. Going to do that, I don't think they're going to do anything like that until they unless they get in massive trouble, which, you know, they're not at the minute. They've picked up results-wise. So if, if as you say, I don't think possibly a top team might not come in from, I understand that, but as second-level team that I'd want Everton to be at this stage, he's the kind of player that I would be going for if I was, say, West Ham or Everton as a cheaper alternative that you could have, and younger alternative that you could have picked up instead of, say, Wobie or Anderson that you've gone out and got, who are good players 
but they're already more they're more established I think than this guy was yeah more well known um, but I'm really looking forward to seeing him play um, every time I see him I just think he's a really exciting player to watch he's probably one of my favourite players this year talking of Redmond I had a quick look on the expected passive model in his matches so Redmond comes up as a match for him and Gross as well at Brighton yep and in France last year he was playing similar-ish roles to people like Pepe again Chorore Di Maria and that Jonathan Bamba from the under-21 team I think that was coming up on our numbers as well so he's in good company he's just not at the best team to showcase him yeah we'll agree to agree on that one yes (laughs) right pressing stats Richie pressing stats so we've probably talked about this every episode without explaining it so far so previous statistics in terms of pressing stats have you heard of PPDA I have yes I've been I've been reading up you've been making things yes so it's passes per defensive action it's basically how many passes the opposition get through before you put in a tackle or an interception or something like that yeah does that make sense yep so that is a pretty simple and generic way of saying how much do we get in the faces of a team stats bomb when they collect their data they literally are recording pressures on a man now when they're watching a game they're recording every time a man moves towards a player to put pressure on and it's recorded down as a pressure obviously i don't have that in my data my data is all on ball events I don't get it recorded because I haven't got lots of money to pay people to get this data for me. So I wasn't particularly happy. Peasant. Yeah. So the PPDA was too much peasantry for me because it wasn't, it was too generic and there wasn't enough kind of data points for me to pick up nuances like where you were pressing on a pitch. And I don't have stats bomb resources. So I was looking at a way of coming up with a metric that would do this. So... I basically watched some footage with this specifically in mind and seeing what happened when people got closed down. Watched a lot of video and it boils down to the fact that if someone gets in your face pressing you, either you give the ball away or you essentially pass it backwards. Does that make sense? Yep. How many zones do you have on your your theoretical pitch? You split the pitch into into the normal thirds. And then section each third off as well, so can't remember three, off the three, top three of Three times head. three would be nine there, wouldn't it? It would, but it's, I'll cut the pitch up slightly more than that. But essentially, okay. essentially, people get the idea. Yeah. And it allows you to see where people on the pitch are pressing. So if you were testing a model, Richie, who would you say should be coming up as the highest pressures and who would be low blockers? High pressures, City and Liverpool although I think City haven't been as good this year. Uh, low blockers, um, Newcastle. Essentially, you've given the green light for my model then because that's basically what comes up. So I'm pleased that you said that. And that wasn't even planned. If it agrees with my eyes, it can't be working. <laughs> <laughs> it's failed the test. <laughs> right, so let's have a look at some graphics for a second, which I'll post on social media. So the highest blockers in terms of pressing from the front men City, Liverpool, 
in the top two. So that yep. that looks about right. And then it's Chelsea and Everton. And the bottom two are Newcastle and Villa. Say for high press to low press. Um, is it the higher the press, the better the team? No, which is, again, what I was going to come to. So on Tableau here, which is a piece of software that I like to use for the visualisations. There, there are other data is available. There are. <laughs> But we like this one, or I like this one anyway. As you say, do you think there's a... Because it's a tiny bit hipsterish to talk about pressing, that people automatically assume that a high press is a good press? That, that's where I was leading you towards to try and um, have an argument with, but um, you, didn't, <laughs> you didn't take the bait. So because a team does a low press, it doesn't necessarily mean... Which means they sit off. doesn't necessarily mean they're a, they're a bad team. It's I think it's about skill sets and opponents. And I'm sure some teams mix it up and, and have certain ways of playing against different opponents but yeah, generally there is a feel for what teams do consistently you've got a section of teams that do a higher block and don't concede many expected goals against and those teams are the likes of Man City and Liverpool and Chelsea and then there are high block teams who do press that are above average in the amount of goals and expected goals that they let up so you're looking at someone like Bournemouth so they're executing a high press and they're getting in your face, but they're still conceding lots of lots of chances defensively. There's the snobbishness with the low block as well. So you do we've been talking about Newcastle in terms of they sit behind the ball, sit in their own half. But they're still conceding lots of chances, so they're not particularly good at it. Um, even if that is a ploy that they use, they're still conceding and getting battered a lot by the opposition. Whereas someone like Leicester who sit in that low block in their own half are really good defensively. They don't let up loads of chances like Villa and Newcastle do. So there's it's basically ways of skinning a cat and one thing is not necessarily better than the other. It's just what suits your team. Just to sort of elaborate and maybe um, sort of explain the, the four quadrants. In the top right, you've got the high block, high XG and you've got Bournemouth in there. Is that why you're an opponent of Eddie Howe? Yes because they've been doing that for a long time. I just think they take too many risks and that they've got enough power and pace going forward that if they sat back and hit people on the break more, they'd be a, a lot safer and a lot more compact and a lot more difficult to get beat. Interesting you've got Sheffield United as a low block team. I'm sure you said there was a pressing team to me the other week, so maybe my eyes were right. What this doesn't do, I mean, this is just like a vertical press measure, if you like, so it doesn't doesn't tell you if you're you're doing it on the flanks I've, I've, I've seen your um, little pitch graphics before I also I think what we did talk about with Sheffield United actually was when they they set their traps up out wide so it's not necessarily so if with McBurney and the other forward that yep. they've got they they arc their run to make the ball go out wide and uh, so they they smash them up at the halfway line so they don't they're not necessarily trying to force the a defender into smashing it long. They're wanting to force it out wide in order to to regain the ball out there where they're quite good with their fullbacks, if you like. Does that make sense? And why yeah. they wouldn't show up yeah. particularly on this? Yeah, um, different, different ways of doing it. I, I yeah. thought um, Anderson was quite interesting for West Ham on Monday night, um, how he played. And uh, he, I think he was trying to encourage the centre-half to step out of it. He's basically saying, go on, Socrates, step into the middle and try and play football. And another graphic that I will send out, and I'd really grown to love these graphics this season Richie because I think they're really quite so what about data viz it's the future it is but this one I keep I haven't really used it before until this season but I keep going back to it and updating it every week 
in terms of how people defend and doing it separately for individual shots on average. So like this fizz here is how high the press is against the average kind of shot that they're conceding. So again, you, you've got the graphic split into four and you've got a higher block and big chances conceded. And you see there the reason why City are having the problems that they're having. So while they're overall, they're not letting many chances up, but when they do, they're bigger chances than anybody else in the league. Any ones on that viz that you'd pick out? I suppose Liverpool there. They're kind of on their own in terms of high block, but when it, they concede it, a chance, yeah. they're still tight as hell. It's it is, it, it is, it's really interesting that you've got Liverpool top left, so high block, smaller chance conceded. Top right, Man City, higher block, bigger chance conceded. Bottom right, Watford, lower block, bigger chances conceded. Bottom left, uh, Arsenal, lower block, smaller chances conceded. S suggests that Arsenal ends bad as what we all think then. <laughs> well, if you switch back to the other viz, at overall XG conceded, they're still mid-table. Yeah. So people like Wolves and Sheffield United have overall letting up less chances than Arsenal. But Arsenal yeah. have, have conceded way more shots than they have. I think Arsenal have conceded like way over 200 shots, mm. which is twice the amount of yeah. shots that Everton and City are conceding up. And yes, they're they're smaller chances, but you'd think that in a low block... So they're, they're con Arsenal are conceding smaller chances with the low block, which is what you'd expect. However, they must be conceding so many of them yeah. that it's actually dragging dragging their numbers down. Can right. I? Can you do a rolling for the last, I don't know, 25 games, maybe 30 games, a rolling five-game average for the teams on, on these? And, and we can have like a gift that just moves about and you can see where Man City have gone, how they've moved, how Liverpool have moved. Okay, we can sort that out. You know, two years ago they was an absolute super team, even a super. You know, again last year, this year, obviously everyone's saying there's problems, but people are saying there are problems because the goals they can see, the chances conceded, the league position, the defeats. So it, it's it's reactive to that. Rather, I don't remember anyone saying to me five games for the end of last season that Man City have got problems. Uh, it's only since they've got defeats they've got problems. So you know, can can we identify this is coming? Could we see this already? And hopefully your as they move from maybe one block to another, we could see that developing. Okay, we can do that. Not just Man City, but anyone we want to look at. Yep. Okay. Cool. Anything else that stands out there for you or anything you think we haven't explained properly enough? No, I think it's good. I think if people got any questions, um, obviously uh, raise it on, on Twitter and obviously we, we can answer stuff there and... You know, any any challenges with what we've said, I think is great. So just just test us, push us. All right. As I say, I think people will have more questions when they see these visits um, yep. because it's a really good representation, I think. So I will keep sending them out and I will update as we go. Right, Richie, we're done. Are we done? We're, we're done. done. We are done. Good stuff. And I shall see you next week, mate. Yep. Catch you later. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.